0: Hey there, have you ever watched a movie or TV show you're certain no one else enjoys? Is there a movie franchise that, despite some lackluster elements, you must consume it in its entirety? Are you tired of folks taking silly media just a little too seriously with their negative reviews? Then you've found the right podcast. Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure available wherever you get your podcasts. That's Bill and Rob's an excellent adventure, part of the Bridgeburner Podcast Collective. We know you got another podcast to choose from.
1: Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Bomb throwing fugitive, Mona Lisa, is Doreen Dead and Gone Fishing. I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other
0: co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Crystal, I'm highly intrigued because before recording, you alluded that Mm -hmm. you might have some inane things for us to talk about.
1: Yeah. Real low-stakes conversation, Robbie, because there's not much going on in my life right now. Um, I just, before I called you... To record, had a really tasty cookie. Ooh! It was a yeah, it was classic chocolate chip. Although it was very, it was I would describe underbaked. It was pretty soft. Okay. And uh, I was wondering if you had any like specifically when it comes to chocolate chip cookies, if you had any cookie preferences as far as texture, um, chocolate quantity, size, um, girth, <laughs> maybe.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you said. Yours seemed a little undercooked because it seemed,
1: yeah, underbaked. It was it was soft, but it wasn't g- gross. It was good, but not everyone likes the soft, oh. squishy cookie. Some people like the you know the real crumbly.
0: Yeah, I was I was um, in- buttery kind. I was you know?
1: inferring
0: from the way you said it that you were going to be on the. Uh, Well done spectrum of cookie Mm. baking, but it sounds more like you are actually genuinely inclined towards uh, having a soft chocolate chip cookie, yes?
1: I, you know, I like them all. Give me, give me a crispy ass uh, chips ahoy or a soft underbaked home cookie. I'm not, I'm not really that picky. It just occurs to me there's a lot of ways to bake a chocolate (laughs) chip cookie, there's a lot of recipes out there. There's, you know uh, a ton of ways to do it and so i think most people do have a preference though
0: i do yes i mean obviously if we're in a situation as so often happens at my workplace where there's been some sort of party where i work at we're inside a building with a lot of other state agencies Mm -hmm. and uh, for the purposes of this podcast i'm not suggesting that i work at a state agency
1: the building is simply shared.
0: Yes, yes.
1: With state agencies. Gotcha. Uh,
0: l- let me be clear. I am not I am not suggesting I work for any particular entity. Anyway.
1: Say it a few more times so people are convinced that you don't work for the state.
0: <laughs> I just... I need to keep it ambiguous. I really do. Oh, boy. Um,
1: okay, you're fine. No one listens to this podcast.
0: <laughs> that's fine. true. Uh, and... I between, I guess, collectively between all these different entities, there's not infrequently some sort of barbecue or party or something going on inside the break room. Uh, it's it's a lot like that episode of Seinfeld where Elaine was losing her mind because every day at work there was a new cake, uh, because someone was having a birthday, uh, <laughs> retirement, getting you know mm-hmm. coming back from being sick. Uh, right. yeah, it's it's a lot like that, which is great for me because that means uh-huh. that the the fridge, not infrequently, has all sorts of goodies in it, mm-hmm. um, and naturally, of course, cookies are are a, a, a go to. Oh, I need to bring something in for this thing. I'll just swing by the bakery when I'm grocery shopping and get a couple of packages yeah. of the cookies. So, of course, obviously, if it's free, I'll just shove anything in my mouth because I'm a disgusting, uh, ravenous eating machine. Uh, mm-hmm. But if I'm, you know, if it's a matter of choice, I will. Of course, I think, I think I will go for a. Chocolate chip cookie that is uh, soft, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, not not well done, uh, and I, I guess roughly what like three centimeters in diameter. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: that's about the size of a cookie I had right before we jumped. Right. Not too big, you know, about four or five bites.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of not too small. A lot of chocolate chips present is fun, but there's a there's a mm-hmm. point where the my enjoyment will drop precipitously if it's too many
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so it's kind of like mm-hmm. a, a what is it like a kenneth, a kenneth waltz neorealism sort of thing where yeah. the fewer oh yeah yeah
1: so relatable to everyone <laughs> listening to this
0: i figured yeah i figured that would be yeah
1: you know, well i f- yeah you know, i also figure the five people that are listening to this are probably five people we had the same courses with in graduate school that know exactly what you're talking about but uh
0: <laughs> yeah it's Please go on. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Where it's the uh, an international system, you know, the fewer mm-hmm. ma- uh, pa- poles of power you have, the more stable it is, mm-hmm. except there's that wonky thing where, like, um, if you go from uh, four poles to a tripolar order, it becomes mm-hmm. very unstable. But then <laughs> when you, mm-hmm. if you go to... A bipolar order it immediately swings back hard the other way and becomes very stable Mm -hmm. so that's Mm -hmm. how it is kind of with my chocolate chip distribution where you know the the Mm -hmm. more you're adding (laughs) the more enjoyable that cookie is but Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't take like it only takes a few more additional chips at a certain point for me to just be like, oh, God, this is not a chocolate chip cookie. This is a chocolate candy mm-hmm. bar with some cookie dough.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Mixed in. Yeah. I You know, the older I get, the more I, I lean towards a preference. I have a preference of like um, a less sweet desserts, mm. you know? Yeah. And, um, I've kind of hit a wall with chocolate in general. Like, I don't think chocolate should be, this is going to be fucking controversial. (laughs) 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 I don't think chocolate should be the predominant flavor in a dessert. That's, I mean, if you like that, that's fine. Like Mm -hmm. people like a really some chocolatey shit. That's totally okay. Like I'm not going to yuck your yum. but for me personally, I think, cho- I think chocolate is the accent flavor to something. Mm. So, like, I don't really want chocolate cake. I want yellow cake with chocolate frosting. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Well, so, like, there's... I, I know what you're saying about the ratio. Because I don't really want it to be too chocolatey. I want it to be mostly cookie with some spots of chocolate in there. But, uh, you know, my husband, David, really took this to the mat one time and decided to engineer the perfect chocolate chip cookie. I think he I think he did it. Okay. Um and it's a and it's uh it's not too soft. It's not it's not cakey. It's not too chewy. It's just like right in the middle of being a little squishy on the inside and crunchy on the rim. Mm-hmm. And uh he as as is the major trend now, he likes to do a little flaky sea salt to finish it.
0: I see. Yeah.
1: To have a little, so a little bit of the crunch is a little salty crunch on your um, sweet cookie.
0: Damn, that that sound that actually does sound intriguing. Uh,
1: yeah, no, he's uh, here's he's the baker in our household. This is this this is the secret of our our home. Is I'm the cook, he's the baker, because I don't have the patience for that baking is hard science you know? let me tell you that. I, don't have the, I don't have the patience for that I'm, I'm cooking I'm writing jazz music a little this a little that tasted alright little this a little you can't do that with baking you gotta, it has to be so dialed in and measured and there's not a lot of improvising that you can do you know
0: I tried to make some Christmas cookies one year this was uh-huh. I don't know the winter of 1718
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> It was a hard year. Yeah. It was a hard year. Yeah. yeah. And I can't believe you I mean, could you even afford sugar? Oh. Uh, Such an expensive commodity that winter. Oh
0: well the thing is, is I already had a, a container of it stored away from mm-hmm. from uh, more prosperous times. So mm-hmm. uh, and I had like I think I just somehow I ended up with like a some cookie um, mix boxes or something um, mm-hmm. you know it, the, the ingredients all came to me cheaply uh, perhaps mm-hmm. for free and mm-hmm. <laughs> let me tell you the the results were not impressive in the slightest <laughs> I put <laughs> and I, I'm going to uh, this is shitting you not okay so you know this is December of 2017 mm-hmm. if or thereabouts. I put put several of these cookies in a sort of um, in the container and along mm-hmm. with some things that I sent to my father for Christmas, I, I added mm-hmm. that. So fast forward to July of 2018 when my father has passed away and I am like going through mm-hmm. his uh, apartment uh, looking for mm-hmm. any personal or family related items and I come mm-hmm. across mm-hmm. I come across that container um, mm-hmm. all the cookies are still in it sounds like one bite wow. from one cookie.
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs>
0: It's like, well, I I appreciate that my dad tried to spare my feelings and not mention how awful they were. <laughs> uh.
1: That's an amazing story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I when I when I uh, brought up cookies at the beginning of this, I didn't see it going in this direction, but this is wonderful and um I appreciate you sharing that with everyone absolutely that's that's pretty funny yes
0: Well, uh, i mean if there's one thing our podcast uh, we talk about cookies we talk about deceased family members that's what we do
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, um you know who i think would really appreciate a care package with cookies in it uh generally speaking
0: john fisher as he continues to serve his life sentence
1: yeah i'd say i'd say guys in jail
0: well as it so happens our first segment today is uh related to the topic of uh individuals in jail season six episode um let's say nine nine Feel like
1: nine yeah it feels like nine
0: let's say nine there was something actually interesting with uh prior to even the first segment of this show is uh, there you know they have the standard here's a sort of summary of the kind of segments that you're going to see throughout this episode and then they have stack come on you know and you you give sort of the usual unsolved mysteries talk but there was something very peculiar peculiar by the, uh, the way he presented it this time around and i don't know if you felt anything about that or, or observed a sort of strange inflection in his voice
1: hmm
0: yeah you know he's uh he comes on and he, he's like you know uh join us for all, all you know these tonight for these mystery you know the sort of standard spiel and then he says perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery like there was mm-hmm. a there was a there was definitely a an emphasis placed on the may and I wasn't sure uh, I watched that. It was like, was that just sort of a little outtake that made its way into the the program or was he subtly suggesting that we're not going to be of any help Mm -hmm. with these segments? I don't know. Yeah.
1: He was hedging. Yeah. He was hedging on that. I,
0: I don't, and I don't fault him for that. I, I find that in life, it's usually good to hedge uh, Mm -hmm. all the time. But yeah, our first segment uh, takes us all the way to Oklahoma. Uh huh. I, I passed by, I pass through the uh, the panhandle of that fine state twice uh, a couple months ago. If that's
1: what you want to call it, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I too have been to the panhandle of Oklahoma. Oh god! And all the way, across, I haven't ever been to like the cool parts of Oklahoma i've never been to tulsa or oklahoma city i've never been in these cities i've just been through the like what the fuck is this (laughs) parts of oklahoma
0: (laughs) yeah i i won't share it here on the podcast but uh, i do actually have a horrifying thing i could tell you about after we're done recording about my my trip um so uh this takes us to oklahoma Oklahoma in June of 1992, uh, we get introduced to a young man named Travis Duncan who is, uh, you know, uh, all the witnesses are started out talking about, you know, he's a, a nice, nice guy, right? Like a just a, a, a good kid, uh, and then he he ended up getting arrested for allegedly stealing his his boss's guns. Cause he worked at an automotive place
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I guess he maintained, <laughs> that he bought the guns off some guy who apparently must have stolen them, stolen them from his boss. Um, it's an interesting story. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, then we get a little reenactment of uh, Travis being thrown into the jail And immediately we sort of get a, uh, you know, interview from one of the jailers by the name of Clint. And I don't know about you, but I was immediately distracted by the fact that this jailer, like when they interview him in, in real life, his forehead to mustache ratio is just distractingly terrifying. He has a lot of forehead and his mustache mm-hmm. is barely there. And there was just it had some sort of uncanny valley effect on me. <laughs> where it
1: mm-hmm. Put me out
0: of sorts the first time I tried to watch the segment. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if it's in this segment, but in this episode, there's an unsettling, unsettlingly blonde. FBI. Agents. i have
0: i have i have notes on this guy later on
1: is it this segment no it, no it's not this it's, segment. It's, it's later
0: yeah it's going to be a couple of segments okay. from that there's a there, right. there's a lot of um interest uh, shall we say interesting looks because i also ha- made notes yeah. on another law enforcement official <laughs> with a diff totally d- weird looking dudes <laughs> <this episode>. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> ironically enough the reenactors playing travis duncan and uh his new, new soon-to-be acquaintance john fisher in the cell mm-hmm. next door mm-hmm. are, are two uh relatively normal looking dudes um john fisher was uh i guess he looks like a freaking nerd right he's got glasses mm-hmm. yeah it's but he goes around like he owns the jail it's yeah kind of interesting and that little reenactment where he's, he's telling you know Travis, like, look, I got millions of dollars and I have all these connections and I got a warehouse with all this weaponry. And, you know, if, if someone could bust me out of here, they're, they're going to be rewarded quite handsomely. Um, we then uh, we then cut to a little reenactment of Travis and his parents uh, walking out of court. Uh, the. The the narration uh, uh, lets us know that uh, he his bail was reduced, uh, on, and he was let out on the condition that he stayed with his mom and dad, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, I I guess I mean I, I I guess that must be a thing, but uh, something about the reenactment of them walking out of the courtroom really I found really distracting. Uh, I, I noticed that. Uh, on this very important day, they all showed up to court in their best denim.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like the mom was wearing a jean skirt. Uh, they were all wearing jeans uh, or, or, or a je- I think one of them had a jean jacket. Um, uh, I, I would typically consider this to be the sort of formal wear that you may want to appear in a courtroom in. But um, it is what it is. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. so it's the old canadian tuxedo
0: <laughs> is, that, is that a thing
1: yeah i mean canadian tuxedo is usually like uh it's a jean jacket denim shirt and denim jeans so it's the all denim look well i don't want to I mean, offend our, our
0: few remaining canadian listeners so i won't make any comments they
1: here. know what they did <laughs> It's fine yeah. everyone knows that it's fine
0: yeah so i guess travis like he immediately leaves his parents house uh because he's like quote unquote he wants to live at you know his girlfriend's apartment or something or whatever i can't you know uh but we immediately cut to like a reenactment of i guess the jail there's like their trash cans are out you know there's a door out back that leads just to a city street and they have the trash cans mm-hmm. on there and yeah,
1: it's very casual sort of jail yeah sort of
0: i was like whoa yeah um yeah so i yeah i couldn't help but you know sort of be like gosh that seems like a just a recipe for a prison escape right and, mm-hmm. and sure enough like the jailer he's walking out, he has a prisoner who's carrying both trash bags out for him um Now, I understand, of course, obviously, sometimes they, in in those sort of settings, they have the the inmates do some of the the lower level work. But I just, I can't help but feel that if the the door leading out to the trash cans just leads out onto the city street, it doesn't seem like a good recipe. And surely Travis thought the same because he's uh, parked out right front and uh you know he starts talking to the inmate and i'm i mean while the jailer does put his foot down like when then when the inmate asks like hey can i check out travis's new truck he's like no you cannot but he allows this conversation and interaction to go on much more than i would have suspect especially considering travis is himself i mean he's He's out on bail. I mean, they, they know he's not just like a rando uh, uh, acquaintance or anything. And yeah, Travis makes like he's going to hand over an entire carton of cigarettes to his friend, which, again, seems to be <laughs> no advice to, to have a situation where that can transpire. But he then pulls out a gun on the jailer and we get like this prison break. And um, so... Uh, John Fisher and some other uh, random inmate joined them in their escape. I guess <laughs> the narration told us that John Fisher wanted to create like a mass breakout
1: from the jail.
0: Uh, presumably
1: yeah he was trying to like start a movement <laughs>
0: <laughs> right i mean like in the reenactment he's waving his hands up he's like come on guys come on which yeah <laughs> i mean as much I- i'm assuming it was more i mean for his motivations were mostly he figured the more people that were busted out you know the more targets that the law enforcement would have to
1: yeah they can't be the old they can't catch all of us yes
0: yeah um amazingly but
1: it's interesting to me that like everybody was like nah, i'm good in jail <laughs> i'm all set that
0: i that was all, whatever this is i don't want it that was all yeah that was also noteworthy to me it's like wow that most. <laughs> why is it that uh all, so many of you are in jail if you have the good sense to avoid getting involved in this situation i mean i I mean, I'm assuming, you know, they're they're maybe they're seeing this. This is a order of magnitude beyond what they want to get involved with. Um, Yeah.
1: Or maybe they just didn't like this dickhead. (laughs) Yeah. Because he was walking around like he was the mayor of jail. (laughs) And they're just like, it's fine, dude, leave. Get out of here. You're driving everyone nuts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That could be, too. I mean, they may they may be facing the prospect like "Uh, spending time in jail or spending time in a getaway vehicle with this guy Who? Mm-hmm. Who do I? Uh, I'll stick with jail, and so yeah, we get a we get a fun little unsolved mystery style map where they show the the route that they're taking when they're trying to escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, very quickly, the authorities, uh, you know, they were sort of zeroing in on them, and they had a roadblock set up, and I don't know this. I guess the purpose of this roadblock would have been to let civilian vehicles through prior to prior to their arrival but when i see john fisher and travis approaching the roadblock and then just slightly deaccelerate so that they can then weave through the space that is left for cars to pass through the the two the two police cars i'm like hmm doesn't seem like a very effective roadblock to me uh but what i anyway so our trio of escapees they apparently decide to go to exactly the wrong place because it was like uh was it was a kerr lake uh, mm-hmm. which apparently all the high, uh, highway patrol people are intimately familiar with
1: yeah that's where they have their clan meetings <laughs>
0: yeah and so anyway (laughs) uh yeah uh and like they like they i guess i mean they must have been the the highway patrol must have been extremely satisfied knowing that they're going that direction because they said there was this big metal gate that either they're gonna Mm -hmm. have to stop through or drive through um Mm -hmm. travis and john elect to drive through it uh crash in a ditch and we get we get a, a pretty gnarly uh shootout scene that that mm-hmm. unsolved mysteries filmed and uh interesting like you said that sp- despite 70 rounds being fired in total in this shootout no one got injured
1: uh, yeah which was i imagine they were all just shooting up in the air like yosemite sam <laughs> you
0: know it, it's it's interesting that you went with that i was thinking more along the lines of um uh, in one of the Naked Gun movies, there's a scene where mm-hmm. Leslie Nielsen and some other guy are shooting out at each other on top of a uh, roof. And mm-hmm. the, the gag, you know, he cuts b- back and forth between the two of them before you get the gag reveal that they're just like feet away, you know, each hiding behind a different thing <laughs> in mm. the shootout. But, yeah, they... Uh, uh, they they end up, I guess, when they escape from the shootout, they end up going onto a peninsula. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, presumably there's no escape.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: John and the other guy do end up surrendering themselves. And they kind of hold yeah. uh, hold out for a little while saying like, oh, yeah, Travis, you know, he's he got shot and he's, he's down on the ground somewhere in there. But after a while, they kind of reveal... They, they do disclose. Oh, yeah, no, he actually he's. Um, uh, uh, he 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 made an escape. And so they are trying to trying to figure out how what happened to Travis, because they they grid off the entire peninsula They They got boats on the lake. Um, eventually, they because across the the, the lake on the other shore, there was a camper who was shot in the head and his vehicle was taken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So naturally the conclusion was, okay. Right. Travis swam across the lake. Uh, and it was only, I mean, they said it was only a half mile, which for me is a daunting distance, but I assume Travis was in better shape than I am. So he, he may. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's the presumption. Uh, we then get an update because they've, yeah. they've they've caught Travis uh, and one one sheriff type person's talking about how, you know, he went to South Carolina, he went to North Carolina, he went to Washington. And then he said something. I don't know if you caught this in the list of states. He said that Duncan Travis Duncan went to. He also said that he went he went to Hawaiian.
1: Yeah, I heard that and I was very confused. <laughs> It was like, he went to hawaiian what
0: <laughs> the state of hawaiian i
1: guess it- he went to hawaiian airlines and they wouldn't sell him a ticket i mean what what did he go to
0: now okay now that would actually make sense um that'd probably be i think
1: he'd been hawaii but they kind of slide it in there and i'm like well so he had to get on a plane or did he swim there too <laughs> what yeah. How good was this guy at swimming? You see,
0: I went with the interpretation that he meant like when he went to to Hawaiian that he was sort of implying I mean, yes, a geographical relocation, but also kind of a state of mind. That, you know, Travis was <laughs> you know, once he'd made it out to those those lovely islands, he had just sort of
1: Yeah you know he was filled with the uh, aloha spirit
0: though exactly the aloha spirit you know he's just sort of hanging mm-hmm. out at the beach enjoying the enjoying the beautiful weather you know just mm-hmm. just really chilled out you know like yeah yeah but yeah no but uh, whatever that sheriff meant travis was apprehended he was brought back and we get you know we get the mm-hmm. uh, text update and so forth
1: Yeah. And but he was he was spotted in in Boise, Idaho, because of Unsolved Mysteries viewers. This was a Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Right. You're
0: all right to mention that Uh, he he does get the he does get the win on uh, Unsolved Mysteries does get the win on that. Um, Yeah, I but it was kind of unsettling for me. They mentioned uh, that in his. Because if, at some point he eventually just confesses like, yeah, I, mm-hmm. you know, I swam, I, uh, I, yeah, I, you know, I, what I did was I just swam across the w- lake and I uh, mm-hmm. wandered through the, the woods for a little bit, reached a road and hitched a ride. And
1: if mm-hmm. that's true, mm-hmm. what happened to that camper? Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they kind of, I was like sitting there for a few moments. I'm like, then we need to revisit <laughs> the camper that was shot right because they we do though at the very end the last white text update we get i think oh
0: oh i didn't uh uh hold on um let me
1: yeah they do they do give us the uh the update which was basically that that was a completely unrelated murder yes yes they don't don't think uh duncan or what's his name travis duncan right Uh, had anything to do with it it just on the other side of the lake coincidentally while um the police were trying to capture fugitives someone else was getting murdered Mm -hmm. and their camper stolen
0: yeah what do you think it would have been like if travis duncan and this this other guy crossed paths right like Mm -hmm. what if like what if the person that travis hitched a ride with was actually the (laughs) The, yeah. the camper killer uh could have been yeah like they're they're both sitting sitting there in the, the their seats kind of awkward um because mm-hmm. like they both have a really bad secret <laughs> one mm-hmm. worse than the other uh uh, uh and they're like try, both trying to play it cool i feel like there's the there, uh-huh. there's the setup for a really good sketch and yeah in, in that.
1: well i or even like a horror movie that's oh. what i'm thinking
0: oh wow okay you're going to you're going to because I, I was going with it like snl style but it sounds like you're going a bit darker uh, okay like
1: yeah no i i don't i don't know it could be it could be yeah
0: okay yeah but yeah no i see i see what the setup would be it's like okay you're, you're starting out you're following this travis duncan you're like this is kind of a bad dude right and then he yeah. gets hit just hits a ride and it turns out like oh no he's riding with a much worse dude yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah i mean it would be kind of kind of reminiscent of from dusk till dawn in my mind oh yeah you know you remember that movie i know I... how it kind of s- starts at these two brothers are like running from the law or broken out of jail and they hijack this what is it harvey Keitel's character and his two adopted kids he's a pastor or mm-hmm. something yeah and they hijack his camper and so you think at first it's a movie about because and Quentin Tarantino is one of the actors in it. And he's kind of a the psycho brother and George Clooney's the uh not the more, I've seen this movie a lot. But basically yeah, the more collective What I'm thinking yeah. is yeah, is it's is it starts as one movie and you think it's about a prison escape and then it ends up being much, much worse than that.
0: Right, right. By the
1: end of it. Yeah. So
0: I always, I always I don't know. It's funny you should discuss this, because one thing I've always, I'm always fascinated by is like a scenario where someone is watching this film, but they've maybe they they missed the title sequence or maybe they've seen mm-hmm. the title sequence and they've just never heard of this film before. And so I what would their you know, they're like, what would be the 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 po- point of view of someone who's watching this movie you know who's that? Who hasn't seen any advertisements? Isn't aware that it has that that twist that that happens, and it's just like, wow, okay, this is a really intense like you know, uh crime film because you got these two brothers, mm-hmm. they're on the run. One is clearly like a lot more worrisome than the other. Not that you really mm-hmm. want to be in a situation with either, but like, what's gonna happen? Is like Quentin Tarantino's character gonna you know it, are we gonna have a situation where him and his brother are actually going to come to blows uh, mm. uh and stuff and, and yeah then, then it becomes radically something else um yeah yeah
1: and and then they uh stop at a uh watering hole in mexico and things take a turn
0: yeah boy do they ever yeah.
1: um i love that movie so <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> I love that goofy MFN movie. It, you know, and it's great so, cuz it's so great.
0: And the fact that later on they end up teaming up with um Tom Savini, uh, the the makeup the horror movie makeup artist, uh um mm-hmm. extraordinaire. He plays the um uh the guy with the the pistol set up on his belt,
1: I think. The sex machine. Yeah,
0: that's the character's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sex machine.
1: <laughs> the guy with the pistol set up on his bed. Uh, yes, This is the most respectable way. I respect was. Yeah, I was going on
0: there. <laughs> this this was not me trying to not be explicit because God ever have as our podcast had yeah. explicit moments. I was just. And I guess I wasn't trying to spoil stuff, but I, I suppose his character's particular name really isn't a spoiler for the twist that happens. Um, and then no. and then it also has. A, I'm also
1: pretty sure, like, years ago, we had a deep dive in From Dusk Till Dawn for some other reason.
0: Probably. And and I also love that they also end up teaming up with Richard Roundtree Shaft himself. Yeah. What What a team up, right? Yeah. Like, yeah so
1: (laughs) yeah anyway uh what a great what a great movie it is uh so yeah that's what my pitch is basically for uh travis duncan is just you know out of the frying pan into the fire fire basically yeah with his uh with his prison escape but uh i also i don't think i ever want to go on vacation at care lake in oklahoma it seems like a real rowdy situation and not in a fun way Right, I mean, you got if you got one one edge of the lake, you're having a prison <laughs> break shootout. The other side, someone just gets killed while they're camping. You know, seems like a real rough area.
0: The, this show perpetually sort of makes me worried to go on camping trips or to go RVing or to go anywhere where I'm going to be out at night without like walls around me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Don't don't go. That's for the best. Don't go outdoors. Go that's my that's my. Don't go outside, guys. Yeah, yeah. So, Stay inside. Yeah. And one thing you might do inside is uh, visit a, an art gallery. And I don't. Yeah. I don't know where the Mona Lisa is,
1: but it's at the Louvre. <laughs> oh, it's at the in Paris, France. Oh, okay. Uh, the Louvre. Yeah. That's how it says. <laughs>
0: yes, I agree. And if should you ever find yourself at the Louvre and you're Uh you're glimpsing the Mona Lisa, you may be intrigued by this next segment Unsolved Mysteries had.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a sparkling segue. Yes. (laughs) Just primo. (laughs) Thank
0: you. They marked it down as a Legends segment, uh, which
1: Uh I guess. Yeah, we haven't had many of those, right? No. There's been treasure. Yeah, a lot. There's been a lot of legends around treasure, and those are treasure segments. Right. Yeah. Most. So this is a legend.
0: Yeah. This. I mean, uh, you're yeah. right. Most most segments they've done that could potentially be marked legends involve treasure, so uh-huh. they become treasure. But there's right. there's no treasure in this, I guess, except for no. the Mona Lisa itself. So if you're gonna maybe if we were doing like a Nicolas Cage um, international treasure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> scenario. <laughs> Uh where we steal the Mona Lisa for whatever reason yeah Uh, yeah maybe to find the hidden da Vinci (laughs) blueprints underneath I Uh because that as as we get this segment going on uh, it's the revelation is because we're introduced
1: kind of feel like I kind of feel like the da Vinci code reference was right there but you went with international (laughs) treasure yeah, it, and that's weird. Because, Which is better and less obvious. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well,
0: I, I have to I have to admit, prior to recording this segment, I actually spent much of today thinking about Da Vinci Code. And, uh-huh. and I'm glad that we, uh, I kind of, much like someone stumbling around in the dark who accidentally flips the light switch, uh-huh. I, I have, uh, I stumbled upon going that route rather than the more obvious one yes mm-hmm. but yes we this segment well first of all before we even get before we get to the the segment itself we have another mm-hmm. interesting little uh issue with the stack introduction and in that he's in an art gallery uh-huh. and of course naturally in my mind went to night gallery and i, I really wish uh-huh. yeah i mean they have a mona lisa you know copy in the background but i really wish mm-hmm. it had Been more of him Rod Sterling style, walking up to a horrifying painting and like, you know, it's like gives gives a little, little, uh, not an introduction, a a night gallery, the but a description of the painting. Um, I wish wish they did that with all the (laughs) all the segments. That'd be fun.
1: They just had a little painting. Yeah that they walked up to of,
0: of varying like styles and maybe levels of mm-hmm. um accuracy um did you ever watch night gallery no oh
1: uh-uh i watched the original twilight zone quite a bit, Oh yeah yeah and the, and the twilight
0: zone gallery. is is a classic of, of 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 television and sterling's most brilliant work Um, I mean, I, I'll concede night gallery is not anywhere near twilight zone, um, level. Uh, I can't think of a a good analogy, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a few decades afterwards. And I mean, first of all, it's horror rather than just like sci-fi fantasy. So, I mean, you know, totally it's different, but also, I mean, it's, it's seventies television and yeah okay there's only probably only actually five really good segments uh, uh, mm-hmm. episodes but it was it was it's fun uh, the 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 intro sequence when i watched it on the sci-fi channel as a kid was always kind of unsettling uh, with the music and and whatnot i i think th- i think it's one of those shows that it, it coasts mo- coast by more that by with like people kind of remember it as a frightening program because of that intro sequence. But then most of the, mm-hmm. most of the episodes are kind of just lame. Um, but there were, there were some, there were some really good episodes. Uh, maybe, maybe sometime, uh, when I come down to visit you guys or something, we'll watch, we'll watch an episode because, yeah because, um, I've learned I've, i as I've learned from you and others that when, um, when you go to visit someone, it's fun to it's fun to go out to the local community and see stuff rather than just sit around watching TV. <laughs> oh, God, I'm such a.
1: Why would we go out and do stuff? We just said, why would we go outside? Oh, there's nothing good out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're you right. Know. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I Swinging back to the Mona Lisa, though. Yeah. I got to say. There's a lot of things in Western culture I don't fully have a grasp on. And... and oh, I think I know where you're going. the around the Mona Lisa is just, who gives a shit? It's not even... It's not the best thing Leonardo da Vinci even did. It's not the best thing Leonardo da Vinci even did. Let alone, is it like a great painting of its to- time? I don't even know.
0: It's interesting that you go there. I have had sort of a similar feeling regarding the Mona Lisa throughout my life as well, though Uh uh, since I'm a guy, it's kind of taken the more crude uh, route of, I've never just, I've never found her particularly hot. So when people would say like the most beautiful woman, I was like, really? I can.
1: No. And not even, I wasn't even about being beautiful as I understood. it. It was sort of just the, the painting itself being enigmatic and uh captivating and i don't find it to be either of those things
0: <laughs> well you, you don't find like yeah because i have to admit if if, if you look at the, the 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 painting and you look at her and you're kind of mm-hmm. like yeah that's that's the kind of facial expression i would have if i just had to sit still for hours at a time yeah. uh not yeah. not really able to do anything um i think i think he captured that sentiment masterfully
1: <laughs> yeah i just i don't get the hard on for the mona lisa um the mona lisa was in the news recently though i don't know if you caught this little tidbit i don't think so uh it's uh so it's hanging at the louvre and you can, if you go to paris you can go see it mm-hmm. yourself um and there is some glass surrounding it <gasps> oh so people don't fuck with it i
0: think i have heard of and this and
1: so this guy he camouflaged himself as an elderly woman in a wheelchair and got up super close to the painting and took a fire axe and tried to break the glass but it was shatterproof he wasn't able to do it mm-hmm. and so then he like ripped off his costume he was a french person by the <laughs> way not let's be very clear about this rips off his old woman costume you know um Mission Impossible style, I guess. Yeah. And then after trying to break it with an axe, he ends up hurling a ke- piece of cake <laughs> and smearing it. It was cake? Into the glass. And I, yeah, he had some cake on him, I guess. Okay. For after. Well, He's, maybe, maybe he, he ruined the Mona Lisa. I'm not really maybe, sure what his. Maybe what he had just come was, from work but,
0: and they had a birthday party for someone or something. I don't I know. Guess,
1: yeah. Uh Anyway, he smeared a bunch of cake on it, and finally security got him out of there. And I guess he was some sort of, like, climate activist.
0: Oh, okay.
1: But I can't... Personally, I cannot think of anything more French that you could do than dress up as an old woman, fling off your costume, throw a piece of cake at the Mona Lisa, and then be dragged out of there screaming in French about global warming. I mean...
0: As much as I would not want to alienate all 12 of our listeners in France, I have to say, I kind of agree with you. (laughs) Oh, man.
1: I mean, just. That's
0: funny, though, that like he he didn't really he didn't plan it out very well. Obviously, he wasn't able to get through the with the fire axe. So, you know, the top the Thomas Crown affair, this was not.
1: No, it was, I don't think his intention was to steal it. I think his intention was to ruin to it.
0: To ruin it, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then he just ended up smearing cake on it and um, screaming, you know, people <laughs> Climate change, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, um, it just, it struck me as like a very, very French kind of thing to do.
0: Yeah, if you're a listener in France, please uh please weigh in. Have you ever tried to destroy a work of uh, legend in order to bring attention to a completely unrelated uh yeah. social political issue? that's something so. I don't
1: really understand It's the symbolism of the protest, I guess.
0: I know, I guess maybe maybe he was just going for like noteworthy like like level of interest like obviously you know, if 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 you went in, a, in a, like a random art museum and you destroyed a painting, yeah. or, you know, blah, yeah. blah. Who cares? But Mona Lisa and the Louvre,
1: Louvre, Louvre,
0: yeah, and the Louvre, yeah. You better believe, uh, you better believe that's going to bring some some attention.
1: Yeah well i there's so many people right now firing up an email draft to correct me on how i'm saying the name of that museum and let me assure you i don't care (laughs) 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 i simply don't give a shit um but what i i am very interested in lillian schwartz who uh in 1986 a very early adopter of uh using computers for artistic purposes
0: yeah they uh it's you know, they're ta- they have, of course, pictures of her in front of the, our uh, classic gray monitor uh, background. Yeah. But yes, she's using software. We have a even a what, what there is of a reenactment in this segment is her talking with her coworker and saying, Would you call me when we get something uh, I, we can look at? Because they're they they fed the images in. Uh, so, so I, somehow it's just like this. There was an image of uh, Leonardo da Vinci and the Mona Lisa were fed in at the same time for some reason. And so it's, you know, it's doing computer stuff and it's mm. it's saying, you know, oh, it's, uh, you know, there's a correlation or something here. I am not I, I don't really have a background in art or computer science. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but they talk about some interesting stuff about the ratios on the face and the forehead and kind of, you know, suggesting like did, did Leonardo, like, was this a big gag where he's like, hey, uh, it made you think it was a sexy woman, but it was me all, all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. But and then we, we they interviewed, a, I guess, some sort of art professor or something named Kathleen Wees gantis yeah. brant
1: yeah what wasn't she a puckered asshole <laughs> oh, man she was so she was like leonard my dear friend leo would have never <laughs> painted himself in fact from his writings it is known yes what they're trying
0: to do here that he
1: advised other artists <laughs> to never insert themselves into their paintings so i'm not exaggerating that's how she was speaking
0: exactly what they're what they're proposing here is that something very suspect uh, is that they're proposing that there's something very specific on something not so su- specific, and you can't really do that. And da, 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 da.
1: Yeah, and, but she was like, "I know Leonardo better than anyone in the world. He's my best friend." It was just like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Oh my god! And also, I mean, she's right though. Also, like, I do really feel like. You, are there similarities between a self-portrait of Leonardo da Vinci and Mona Lisa? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. How dissimilar are a bunch of Italians going to look from each other <laughs> in the late 1490s in Florence? Really?
0: Yeah, I I will concede the point there. So it was nice having listeners in both France and Italy. <laughs>
1: Well, no, I'm saying now, no, obviously, you know, people get out of, got out of their village at some point, <laughs> and Italy's a really diverse place now, but I'm just saying, like, back then, yeah. you know, how, how wide was the gene pool? of course, there's going to be similarities between chin and nose and mouth structure and... And yeah, if you I bet you could take a, a couple of paintings from that time and put them next to each other and they're going to look pretty similar. Yeah, You know, that's
0: a good point. Like, you could probably just take a bunch of paintings and compare them now and be like, oh, look, yeah, their nose is the same length and they have the same distance between the eyes and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, this was I don't want to say it sound like I'm badmouthing it because this was kind of just a fun little mini segment just you know yeah it was cool yeah it's like oh this is neat um i mean it was neat probably almost completely ridiculous but neat i enjoyed it yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: well i don't know that it was ridiculous because i had heard just i think it's probably a really widely held belief that leonardo da vinci did use himself Mm -hmm. as the model for the mona lisa um and you know unsolved mysteries kind of leaves it at that even though I uh after watching the segment I did a little did a little VR word. Research.
0: Did little research. Oh boy. Did a little
1: research. I did a little googling around and I said, is the Mona Lisa Leonardo da Vinci? hmm And um uh no is the answer. <laughs> 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 that the internet spat back at I me mean, in fact it's uh i guess and uh, and this is what the wiki of unsolved mysteries has in 2005 mona lisa was finally identified as a woman named named lisa del giocondo after a researcher discovered a margin note written by a friend of leonardo's that this was the portrait was the, the that said that the portrait was of lisa so it was uh, a real woman who really sat for the portrait um uh the mr del Gio- Giacondo actually um had it commissioned uh to have in his house it was of his wife oh
0: i see their new house. Yeah. so yeah well you know it, it's funny though like because there was i remember reading an interview once with a science fiction writer and i can't remember who it was and the person interviewing him asked him like are any of the characters in your novel like secretly you and yeah. his response was, "They are all me," because right, and, and that always stuck with me. I feel, I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of truth to that. Um,
1: yeah, I, I, I don't think, especially in portraiture, I don't, and I think one of the reasons Leonardo da Vinci wrote about it as, a, as sort of a warning to other artists is don't let that your ego, don't let your sense of self overwhelm your subject but there's no i don't think you can divorce the artist's hand Mm -hmm. from too much from their you know or their style yeah from whoever their subject is yeah i mean it's a painting and not a photograph
0: precisely
1: so anyway um this has been uh art critiques (laughs) with crystal and robbie uh i'm really itching to talk about tax evasion (laughs)
0: wait don't you want to talk about missing persons first do i well i mean i i i, I guess I- let me
1: rearrange some tabs <laughs> on my browser <laughs> oh, because i beefed it okay so doreen and steven uh Marf- marfio are married and you know, as usual with these types of cases, we have stack on the mic getting get, getting everybody really gassed up about how on the outside looked like they had a really good relationship you no, know, but then there was like things going on behind closed door yeah of course <laughs> welcome to a marriage <laughs> of course. <laughs>
0: it's funny because in every single time they they do a segment like this they all they always think that they're gonna deliver a real wham line with, with when they're like
1: they never do we know what's coming <laughs> there's been six seasons of this yeah jesus all right so um all right so Stephen Stephen comes home on one day in 1990 and he finds that you know doreen his lovely wife is it's not there um They've been married for 12 years uh noticeably a small suitcases missing Doreen is gone um you know Steven starts looking around she's taking her clothes uh they could save this safe in their house she had taken some money too uh, however her car was still there um and she had notably let left behind her pet cats mm. as well I guess the cats didn't want to go in the suitcase <laughs> quietly. <laughs> <laughs> you know how cats do you just try to stuff them in there and they're not into it yeah um okay so basically she she disappeared without choice and um steven is looking for her looking i'm putting big scare quotes around that one he is looking for her well they clearly show um, in
0: the reenactment he walked into the living room he walked over by the phone to mm-hmm. check where the little message pad is he, he yeah. walked through the kitchen and kind of like looked into the the family room or whatever it is for a few moments i mean that seems like a pretty thorough search grid to me
1: <laughs> yeah and then he just kind of shrugs and turns the tv on i guess at that point
0: <laughs> yeah they were
1: figuring she'd she'd come home eventually um so uh doreen i don't think she's reported missing until um two days two days but it's her co-workers though
0: right right
1: report her missing not her husband
0: well he figured you know she just needed some time or to go do something or whatever so yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> i guess um, um and so the, the the conflict in this segment is that <clears throat> i mean unsolved mysteries is interviewing steven he's talking on camera so this is not being told in the third person uh and law enforcement is pretty convinced he had something to do with Doreen's disappearance now we don't know if Doreen is dead or not mm-hmm. there's nobody we don't know if a crime has been committed right right um so she I guess the the fall before she went missing had uh, quit her job very abruptly so <laughs> I guess it wasn't her co-workers that
0: Well, I mean, maybe she got a different job or something, but I mean, can we take,
1: I thought it was her coworkers.
0: Yeah. Can we, well, can we, at the very least, can we take a moment to talk about, there's a lot going on in the like little reenactment where the reenactress is like portraying her, you know, finishing up, quitting her job. She's on the phone talking, you know, with someone, uh, and she's putting stuff in her, you know, in her legal box, uh as as Mm -hmm. you do when you're clearing out your desk
1: Mm.
0: Uh, and i just like when she put her coffee cup in there i honestly was like is that coffee cup empty or not Cause like mm-hmm. she, she was sort of portrayed like she's staring straight ahead while on the phone and she's just picking stuff up and picking, <laughs> putting them mm-hmm. in the box and considering how they sort of portray her later in the segment, I wonder if the, they were yeah. subtly suggest Do you
1: think she just put like half a cup of hot coffee in her legal box? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and then, and it the, could be,
0: yeah. And then let's talk about like the jacket she's wearing. Well, okay. Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. With a double row of brass buttons down the front. Like she's a, mm-hmm. uh, like, she's a, a, a major in the uh, Civil War or something. And boy, mm-hmm. like, I mean, we've seen some shoulder pads on this show, but I think these are probably some of the most impressive examples. Yeah. <laughs> like, she she looks like she has, like, the um, the shoulders of a golden age of comics superhero. <laughs> uh, it, it is something. So I just I just really wanted to comment on that before <laughs> we get.
1: Yeah, sorry, it's very unclear as to who Doreen was actually reported missing by. I guess it took two days for her husband to call Doreen's sister to see <clears throat> if her sister Laura had seen Doreen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: but um,
0: it's really interesting though that this guy who, you yeah, know, was fairly blasé about like oh my my wife's you know you know she's gone you know Mm -hmm. i'll just i'll just give her her space and you know Mm -hmm. uh, not not bother try to track her down or something which is totally the sort of reaction that would be in character for someone who as detective john nard nardo uh, uh points out for 11 months previously had hired a private investigator to follow her around
1: <laughs> yeah so oh they dropped that one in uh, two thirds of the way into the segment where the cops mention that and then they then they go back to Steven and Steven's like yeah I just she was acting weird and I just thought I she didn't want to talk to me about it so I thought I'd hire a PI to follow her a couple hours a week nothing came of it though <laughs> okay <laughs>
0: Okay. so so cause,
1: yeah and then the cops like that yeah, that's totally normal behavior for a husband to do too, right? yeah dude
0: yeah um, nothing sus there um yeah yeah crystal well, would you say that uh having uh, a guy hiring a private investigator to follow you around is uh is that a red flag in in a relationship <laughs>
1: um yes yeah but there's a twist in this story between Stephen and Doreen. Right. Um, so Doreen's sister, Laura, jumps on the mic. And it's like, yo, so about a decade ago, <laughs> <laughs> Doreen was hooking up with this other dude. And she was like, should I leave my husband, Stephen, for this other dude? And she, Doreen came over to Laura and her husband's house. And they had, they had a, a talk about it. and And Laura, you know gently convince Doreen no don't leave your husband stay with him yeah um so yeah so this coupled with Doreen suddenly quitting her job the story according to Stephen and Stephen only is that Doreen was kind of like on the edge of having a mental breakdown or something like she was they have a reenactment where she's like sobbing hysterically in the living room and Stephen comes out or the reenactor playing Stephen comes out to comfort her and say, hey, why don't you come to bed? And what's why don't you just talk to me about it? What's going on? She didn't want to talk about anything. And um, yeah, Stephen's leaning pretty hard on the I don't know. She just went crazy and left <laughs> angle pretty hard. And yeah. I was just sitting there like, dude, how dare you? how dare you get on national television and be like, God, it'd it'd be cool if my wife came back. I just want to know what happened to her and be like, but then I don't know. She was crazy. And then she just like, none of this is adding up. None of it. Yeah. And I'm not saying like if people, different people grieve in different ways. And just because someone isn't outwardly super emotional about something doesn't mean they're guilty of something either. But um something was not sitting right with me about this dude mm-hmm. and it was interesting because none of Doreen's family thinks that Steven was involved with her disappearance yeah. they seem to be under his spell as well and the cops are just like uh, you know the cops are basically like there's what you there's what you know and there's what you can prove and at the moment they can't prove anything but they know something's up and I Uh, weirdly have to side with law enforcement on this one because i was getting to the end of the segment i'm like i don't know if this guy killed his wife but he was definitely involved in her disappearing yeah no question in my mind which i feel really comfortable saying because of the update that we (laughs) get at the end of the segment apparently nine years after this aired or doreen disappeared steven killed an ex-girlfriend so he went on to date somebody else killed her killed her current boyfriend and then killed himself so i feel real comfortable in saying he definitely killed his wife because what's his dead ass gonna do sue me for libel okay (laughs)
0: It's funny how we are so dead. cautious about tiptoeing uh, around this subject. Oh God, I-, I
1: remember that. I was I was like wringing my hands and I was like, "What if our millions of listeners and one of them is a lawyer and they hear this <laughs> and they they sue us for?" like remember how concerned I was about that. I was and yeah. I'm like, I oh, shared this your or did it. <laughs> yeah, he did it. He did. it. He's guilty. He did it. He did it. He's a murderer. Well, what's he gonna do? He's dead. Yeah. Yeah. What's he gonna do? So yeah i mean nothing uh, nothing about his story adds up and being like oh my wife went crazy and then i mean do i think maybe doreen was i mean obviously her, her sister confirmed that there had been an affair early in the marriage and perhaps there had been another one and Stephen found out about it when he was having i mean yeah the private investigator was not interviewed for this
0: yeah yeah, well, all we have is Stephen's word. Saying? Just that, like, yeah, all the PI he didn't find, an, he didn't find nothing or anything. So, yeah,
1: why would he have hired a PI? Yeah,
0: if
1: he didn't think some, something was up. So obviously, oh, there was a whole bit too about how like this person was sending letters,
0: anonymous letters. Yeah,
1: yeah, which is pretty clearly. From Stephen, and because they they checked like the typewriters, and steven would have had access to the same typewriter that those letters were written on through a family. Like he, dude, did it. Come on! And then he was taunting the police with it. Come on. Yeah, I thought I thought it was, and then they went on national television.
0: Right, right. I thought I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty ballsy of him. Like, you know, the first letter is like just talking about how she was a harlot and stuff. Yeah, and then the second letter was like. This Stephen guy clearly did it, which was obviously yeah. Stephen figuring, you know, it, it's that sort of thing. Like, oh well, if if you know, if these anonymous letters are sh- saying that I did it, th- it'll make them less likely to you know um, to think I did. Yeah. Uh, uh, interesting, interesting tactic. And then of course the segment ends with him sort of looking forlornly out the window as he's drinking his coffee. I mean, uh, as opposed to the, the guy in our first episode who's like, yeah, my life's pretty good. <laughs> uh, he's 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 obviously chosen to yeah. like make the presentation like I just wish I would know.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. I, I think he may have learned from that guy. Make it a little less obvious, dude.
0: Yeah, we're on season six now. He's
1: seen the show. He- <laughs> yeah, he's seen the show. He knows the moves. Yeah. I want, to t- I want to talk about a much more fun yes. kind of crime. And that's tax evasion.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: victimless crime. Um, oh, before, before,
0: before we do, the, the detective that they were uh-huh. interviewing in this uh, missing person slash murder case um, was uh, like he had a receding hairline situation mm. that like I could not get past. Uh-huh. And I just have to say that I just, I mean, I think I, I think I'm seeing myself in about five years. <laughs> so anyway, let's continue on to, to Raymond Young.
1: <laughs> like looking in a crystal ball,
0: huh? <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's always what it's like when I watch these shows.
1: Um, tax evasion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is kind of like opens with a really fun reenactment um of this guy raymond young um it's kind of it's kind of like a, a dilf at least the reenactor was and oh. we see him he's driving a he's driving a boat with his foot with a he's wearing a teva
0: right i i noticed yeah that, that him him steering the boat with his foot i was like wow
1: that's, yeah uh, yeah, he is relaxed. Okay. Yeah. He's wearing the he's part of the Tiva Tiva lifestyle, um, as I am. And uh, I support that kind of thing, you know? Yes. So he liked to go scuba doffing. Scuba doffing <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Crystal, do you go
0: scuba doffing? Connor.
1: <laughs> scuba doffing. Leave it in. Yeah. Uh okay, so he's he goes scuba diving off the coast of uh Louisiana at the mouth of the mississippi river you know probably some of the most pristine crystal clear waters one can imagine
0: Mm
1: -hmm. i'm joking that sounds disgusting (laughs) uh and he goes with his son this is uh this is back in 1993 anyway he goes with his son and the son comes back and he's like hey he comes back to the boat in his scuba gear he's like have you seen my dad and then like no one on the boat can find raymond and uh his family assumes that he's dead he drowned um but once again law enforcement says "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh we think he faked it and here's why and apparently he was already under investigation for tax evasion at this point yeah um and his whole scheme was this he had a wholesale fuel company um on this area of florida some area of florida and, um, he, the legitimate portion of the company distributed diesel fuel for marine use. So, you know, refueling big boats and stuff like that. Um, but he, so he was so supposedly to sell to wholesalers only. So that means he sold fuel to the refueling depots. He was not supposed to sell things to the gas station. mm mm-hmm. And that's what he ended up doing. So because he was a wholesaler um, and not a retailer, he was exempt from paying taxes on the sales of his fuel. However, when he started, he started selling at retail, he was supposed to pay something like 40 cents a gallon in taxes. And instead, he just pocketed that money. Yeah. So and unsolved mysteries is like hey you goons at home i know 40 cents a gallon doesn't sound like a <laughs> lot of money to you and i'm like actually it does because if i got a 40 cent a gallon discount on tax right now, or on gas right now i'd be pretty happy about it it does sound like a lot of money especially you know if you got a 15 gallon tank which is smaller than average yeah. but you know that's it's uh, a couple of bucks you know
0: indeed it is and what well, and th- think about like because this episode's from the early 90s like in the 90s i was paying somewhere between 79 and 99 cents for gas uh when i'd fill up per per gallon uh so yeah um i i can only imagine then like you must have been raking in that that money
1: yeah 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 so the so is like we think he's he we think he owes us like fifteen million dollars in taxes and he was and this is it's tax evasion but it's also fraud. He was a wholesaler and he was selling things reta- as retail in Texas. Um, so we get some really cool reenactments, especially of our unsettlingly blonde IRS agent, Special Agent FBI, Merle
0: Thorpe, U.S. Customs, Naples, Florida. Yeah.
1: Now he uh he had a, he had a real busey quality quality jim oh. you know what i mean
0: okay interesting yeah yeah the busey's got that that uh color of hair that
1: uns- yeah that unsettlingly blonde hair and where you know blue eyed what i yeah what
0: i where i went with this was like to me because uh, not only was the hair a match just kind of the sort of facial structure and you know he's 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 a big big guy right like uh the uh we because i think he plays himself in the reenactments doesn't he
1: um i think so yeah i don't know wh- how, where they would have found besides abusey where they would have found well what someone that looked like what,
0: that. what 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 immediately came to my mind was um the guy who played flash gordon
1: ah,
0: yeah okay, right? yeah. okay. Uh, I'll put I'll, um, I'll put some screenshots on the 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 social media and let people make the <laughs> way yeah, in.
1: Yeah, let them decide. Yeah. Um. So going further into the story, though, basically, uh, Raymond had been arrested already, and he was um, arrested as he was getting out of his Mercedes to get into his luxury yacht. <laughs> smooth move yeah uh so and young so raymond young um he was convicted in january of 1993 on the tax evasion charges and he was sp- supposed to report to jail but he was out on bail to like get his shit together before he goes to his sentencing mm-hmm. and so right before he goes to sentencing of course he goes on the scuba diving trip with the sun and then he quote unquote drowns right
0: <laughs> so of Draw. course authorities
1: think he's still alive yeah it, of course he is of course he's still alive come on now
0: yes absolutely
1: and we do get an update yeah so um in the year 2000 they uh they found his ass in costa rica and then they extradited him back to florida hmm. and then he served sent seven years in prison which was seven years that he was on the run interesting yeah um And he's since been released. And also, they didn't mention this in the Unsolved Mysteries episode. I don't think, but his wife Anne was also arrested and charged with helping him escape.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, the Unsolved Mysteries made no mention of that. That's fascinating. No,
1: they didn't. They didn't mention that part.
0: My favorite part of this segment was the reenactment of like when he was convicted. They had a little reenactment of him walking Mm -hmm. down the steps with his lawyer, and they you know they Mm -hmm. reached the bottom of the steps, and he's like angrily pointing at his lawyer, and then up on on the top of the steps. Special Agent Merle, Merle Thorpe, uh, or Flash Gordon, uh, is shaking hands with, uh, I, I don't know, I guess maybe it was the, the district attorney or some, someone. <laughs> it was a funny mm-hmm. little contrast, because down at the bottom of the steps, you know, Raymond's like, Arr! and then at the top of the steps, Merle's like, good job.
1: <laughs> hmm
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They did it. Yeah.
0: They did it. hmm So... If you want to weigh in on this assertion I've made that Meryl Thorpe is in fact Flash Gordon or nearly resembles him, you can swing on over to our Twitter feed, Reenacted Pod, at Reenacted Pod. Is this too early for me to be doing this? I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you want to say?
1: (laughs) No, we're well over time. You go ahead and do it, baby. Uh, Yes. You take care of business.
0: Uh, Email us, reenactedpod (laughs) at gmail.com. There's a Patreon. There's a $1 tier if you just want to support the show or a $5 tier if you're kind of receptive to, you know, receiving special unsolved, occasionally receiving a special unsolved mysteries related Merc or you know uh, random things that robbie finds in his uh place that his junk drawer yeah that he wants to get rid of but would feel bad about throwing away
1: (laughs) yeah this you can you can receive part of his hoard if you pay us five dollars a month um Sometimes we uh sometimes we throw a little early episode on the Patreon feed or we do some special content uh not not too often lately but yeah we will uh we need we need,
0: an, we need an, pick up that
1: torch again yeah, we, soon. we need inspiration.
0: So. Maybe maybe we could do a yeah. dust from dawn type thing. I don't know.
1: Yeah, you know Robbie, I'm over here I'm looking at my uh lovely collection of Time Life uh Mysteries <gasps> of the Own, uh, Unknown oh, books. Yes. And I'm I'm wondering if maybe it might be time to revisit one of these. I think
0: we better, guys. Yeah, I think we better.
1: Um, hey, you want to do the thing? People all over the world. Oh, yes.
0: For every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows the truth. See you next Wednesday.